0: Hello, I'm Philippe LeCour. I'm a research fellow at uh, the Harvard Kennedy School and the Carnegie Endowment. And I'm pleased to welcome my colleague, uh, Eric Bradberg, who is the director of the Europe Program at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. And today we're going to discuss uh, the the, uh, latest trip by uh, President Joe Biden to Europe, where he took part in the G7 meeting in, in England and the NATO uh, summit in, uh, in Brussels. But there was also an EU-US uh, uh, meeting. And, and I think, uh, Eric, China was very much uh, one of the subjects uh, discussed, but not the only one. You've been following the preparation and the trip itself. So what, what, does, uh, what do you make of all this?
1: Absolutely. I mean, this was President Biden's first foreign trip as. President, And I think he really came to Europe with the intention of what he calls it rallying democratic allies to sort of tackle the threat from authoritarian countries like China together. Um, and I think to some extent he had some success. He at the G7 summit, um, China was mentioned in the joint statement. Um, including as a challenge to the multilateral order, including um, its human rights record. And I think it was noticeable in the G7 statement that both Xinjiang and Hong Kong was explicitly mentioned, um, something that maybe the EU sometimes is cautious about explicitly calling out. So that was certainly, I think a win uh, for Biden um, in that regard in sort of trying to push um, European allies into taking maybe a more firm stance Um, on those issues. There was also, of course, at the G7 summit, um, in general, statements about working together on addressing COVID, providing vaccines to provide an alternative to China's uh, vaccine diplomacy around the world. Um, And then, of course, at the NATO summit in Brussels the following day, we had a NATO um, declaration calling China for the first time ever um, a challenge. Uh, Last time, there was a NATO declaration in 2019. It it referred to China as both an opportunity and a challenge. This time, it's only a challenge, whereas Russia is a threat. And then, of course, we had the EU-US summit, which, although not explicitly about China, did have a number of new uh, initiatives that could be seen as sort of the US and the EU teaming up to address challenges stemming from China, including in the digital and technology space. So overall, I would say, I think the White House is probably pleased with this visit. Of course, Europeans are delighted that Trump is no longer the president and that Biden is is a more cooperative American leader that they can work with. At the same time, I think some of these European concerns about being Um, pushed by the United States into taking too much of a confrontational stance towards China still remains along with concerns about uh, the dependability of the United States in the long term with an eye towards the next US election and the possibility of a return of a President Trump or at least an America first approach. I think this means that while Europeans are delighted to Work with Biden on on specific issues. They're not going to completely, um, you know, fully join um, his approach of, of sort of framing this too much as sort of democracies versus authoritarianism. So I think the, the the opportunity going forward will be to continue putting um, meat on the bones on some of these initiatives where the U.S. and the and the Europeans can work together, while trying to avoid framing this too much as sort of the West ganging up on on China. But Philippe, I think one of the interesting things that came out of the G7 summit was also uh, this idea that the G7 countries, including Japan, of course, would work together on a new initiative to promote global infrastructure development as part of a Build Back Better World initiative. This is, of course, intended to provide an alternative to the Belt and Road. Did you see anything new here? And do you think this is an area addressing the Belt and Road where the West can sort of collectively do more together?
0: Yes, I think it's, uh, it's interesting that they, they've managed to, to rally behind this issue. Build back better world. That's a very ambitious concept. And you may recall, uh, Eric, that in 2019, about two years ago, Japan and the EU actually got together and had a, a joint uh, statement on, on, on global infrastructures that didn't really produce much uh, results so far. Um so at the moment the belt and road initiative is actually the the most efficient plan for for you know building infrastructure now of course there are lots of controversies but uh, at the moment you know the mood in europe seems to me to be more focused on technology if you think about uh, you know uh, Huawei and the 5G for example the market share of of Huawei has dropped you know in europe due to uh, a, a mixture of, uh, you know, pressure from, uh, from, uh, from the US and also the, the global geopolitical situation and also security concerns from Europeans. Uh, while, you know, on, on the infrastructure front, there's been a decrease of, of, of Chinese investments in Europe. And now, of course, it's due to the pandemic mainly and restrictions from China itself. Um, so I think now we're going to to enter a new phase, obviously with the uh, the, the post COVID nineteen uh, 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 period, hopefully, which means Chinese investments may come back, but they also may not. And it's time for for industrialized nations to to put together a, 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 a new project. Now the problem is, of course, China is very good at, at construction, at infrastructures, and the West is good at financing. So I hope at least this political will to to go further, will will lead to some concrete uh, results.
1: Very interesting, Philippe. Looking forward to continuing this conversation.
0: Thank you.